there's a very specific person. To find that person is out there because plenty of people are out there who are looking to develop their skills. And then it's about, do they buy in? And then it's about, do you mesh well? And then it's about their financial situation. And so all of those pieces have to come to play. But when they do, when you have somebody to go at it with you, the sky's the limit. I'm Alex Bloomberg, host of the podcast Startup, and you're listening to We Are LA Tech. We could not do this without the community believing in our vision together. We Are LA Tech is independently funded, funded by you, the community. So to support We Are LA Tech, go to patreon.com slash we are LA Tech. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash we are LA Tech. Welcome back to the We Are LA Tech podcast, celebrating the most extraordinary companies in all of the world. And they're all here in Los Angeles. So why are you not here? Just kidding. But no, it is incredible. We're the third largest startup city in the world. It's so exciting to be here. And I have Zach in the studio with me drinking out of the birthday cup. It's not even my birthday. Do you think that's so funny? Uh, Yeah, I think it's great. I mean, I'm really enjoying just having this really nice setup here where I can just casually take a sip of water if I really need it. Good to know. We were just talking about before I started recording, we were talking about use, being able to use things. Um, So, Zach, go ahead, introduce yourself and tell us who you are and what you do. Sure. So uh, my name is Zach and I am originally Silverman, Zach Silverman. That's correct. Zach Silverman. I'm uh, originally from Colorado. I uh, funny enough, I was actually born here in L.A. My whole family's from here, but we moved in 95. So that's where I grew up. I went to school at CU Boulder. Um, Then I moved down to Austin, Texas in 2015. And then uh, just about a month and a half ago, I moved to Los Angeles. And I'm going to Austin next week. So. No, next week, tomorrow. I'm going to Austin tomorrow. I'll give you some recommendations. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome in Austin. Um, So, and why move from Austin to LA? Austin has a thriving tech culture. Uh, So uh, I was in a, or I am still, I was in a long distance relationship and now I'm not in a long distance relationship. (laughs) I am just in a relationship with the same girl, but uh, here in Los Angeles, she got a, uh, she got accepted into graduate school and I was working on my startup. And so it just felt Um, like the necessary thing would be to, I can do my work from a laptop from anywhere. And of course, you know, her school is pretty stationary. And so I decided to move here. And what area do you guys live in? We live in Los Feliz. Oh, nice. It's like hipster. That's what, that's what I keep hearing. Uh, I've been really enjoying it because I've always had a thing about LA. I, you know, we would come here a lot and, you know, with the traffic and everything like that, I was a little worried, but actually like growing or uh, moving to Los Angeles and moving specifically to Los Feliz. It's actually really nice. It's got a very nice neighborhood feel to it. Nice. Um, okay, so we're going to jump into it. Your company name, like Deshio, I have a problem with the company. I want to know like why you called it that. Because how do you pronounce it? Uh, Deshio. De- I did say it right. Yeah. Deshio. Yeah, Deshio. And can you spell it for us? Yeah, it's D-E-S-H-Y-O. Okay, now why? Uh, <laughs> sure. So I was trying to come up with a name for this one night and... Um, I didn't really know where to start. And so I started to look at other companies that were doing the same thing as me. And, you know, one of the first things that came to mind was, was Twitter and Pinterest. And so when I looked up how they got their names, Pinterest is obviously you pin something that you're interested in. So Pinterest, and they made up this brand new word and it's great. Right. And then same with Twitter, where uh, the reason that they came up with their name was they wanted to think of what was the sound that your phone made in your pocket when you got a notification. They thought it was a tweet. And so they named it Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I want to kind of maybe look at the same thing. And so I started coming up with all these names like 
Disconics because it's about discovery and connection yeah. and it nothing ever rolled off the tongue really yeah. well. And then what I kind of realized was I'm a much more visual person and yeah. I think having a name that kind of has a visual representation yeah. allows you to go in a variety of different directions yeah. um, and it doesn't allow you to be, you know, in a solely avenue. So, you know, Pinterest is obviously a super successful company, but their company will always be about pinning things that you're interested in, right? Um, which is great. And I didn't want to be that company. I wanted to be able to expand to a variety of different things. And right. to do that, you kind of need some sort of abstract concept. right? And so the idea is that you should always be able to discover new content in a single feed where it just keeps coming at you. And I was sitting there and was like, oh, it's coming at me like, a, like one after another, wave after wave. Yeah. Well, it's like the ocean. And so I decided to look at ocean and wave and tide and all this kind of stuff. And at the time I was going to Japan in about a month or so. And yeah. so I started looking up translations. Yeah. I'm also Jewish and I go to Israel yeah. a lot. So I looked up Hebrew yeah. and um, I found a Japanese translation was uh, Shio. Yeah. Uh, it was, you know, S-H-E-E-O-H or so. But yeah. then when I was looking up trademark yeah. uh, stuff, it said it was really associated with like a lot of seafood restaurants. Yeah. And so really the actual translation is salt. Right. So I was, can't use that. Yeah. Um, and so then I went into High Tide and uh, the translation was uh, Deshio, D-E-S-H-I-O, but that URL was already taken. So I misspelled it to a Y. Um, and then I went to Japan yeah. and I was looking for somebody to tell me what it actually meant just to be 100% sure. Right. And of course, nobody speaks English there. I mean, you basically get, you know, the people at the train stations who right. tell you which way to go. But otherwise, nobody speaks English. Yeah. Interestingly enough, I was uh, in this um, town. Uh, it wasn't even a town. It's a village on the top of a mountain called Koyosan. Yeah. Um, it's the religious epicenter for Shingo Buddhism. And I stayed at a Buddhist temple. And the guy who the monk who runs the temple there where you can stay at uh, spoke English fluently. Yeah. Uh, he spent six years in Tennessee, you know, working for Toyota this is or something. the craziest thing, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so I asked him, what Wait, does... wait, wait. The Buddhist spent six years in Tennessee Before he became a monk. Toyota. Yeah, before okay. he became a monk. Okay. It was wild. Uh, <laughs> and so I, uh, so I asked him, what does Deshio mean? Yeah. And he goes, it means nothing. I was like, what do you mean? Well, what's the word for high tide? And he uh, told me that it, it started with an M sound. Yeah. So I started to freak out. So I was like, I, this is my name. This is everything. What yeah. am I going to do? So before I did anything, I showed him the translation that I saw. As it turns out, it's not necessarily that it's not a Japanese word. Uh, it's a Chinese kanji character that the Japanese use. They have three languages okay. and one of them is Chinese kanji. Yeah. And this was actually super serendipitous. Right. Uh, so what he told me was that uh, the word has two meanings. Yeah. The first meaning is that it's not describing high tide, the noun, but it describes the process of the tide going from low to high. Right. And then the second meaning is that it describes the event of two people meeting most likely for the first time. Oh. And so. Now I love it. Right. It's just hard to pronounce though. Yeah, I know. And, uh, and mostly because it has that Y in there as opposed yeah, to the deshio. I. It's actually not as hard to pronounce. It's hard to know how you spell it. For sure. No so, doubt And then about when it. you read it, you don't know how to say it. But once you hear it, I feel like deshio, you, you get it. But yeah. yeah. And I kind of, and I definitely understand that. And, you know, some people have said to me, you know, maybe you should look into not having a, a word like that. But at the end of the day, I mean, now we all say, you know, Google, yeah. you know, what was Google before yeah. Google was Google. Listen, so, you're the founder. You got to go with your gut of what feels right. If there's anything I've learned of being an entrepreneur way too long <laughs> <laughs> is that there is no right or wrong. Um, I, I think when I was 18 years old, I thought that there was a right. So I would look up to like, you know, Richard Branson and I would just want to like follow. I'm like, oh, if I just do exactly what they do, 
then uh, win. Like that's it, right? And we all have our own paths. We all have our own journeys, and everybody has a different opinion. Every in- one investor will say, "Oh, that's the worst name ever." Another investor will be like, "Brilliant, genius, best thing I've ever heard." And so, essentially, everybody's full of shit. Like not nothing, nothing. All that matters is what we feel in our gut as the creator and founder. I 100 percent agree, and and not just with that, but you know, same thing with you know investment strategy and equity and this. There is no right or wrong way, and that's actually what really um, attracted me about, or what was attractive to me about entrepreneurship was that I just get to make up my own rules. Yeah. Um, I know that sounds like very cliche, you know, the entrepreneur wants to break the rules and disrupt. And by the way, I I really don't like the word disrupt. I think it's (laughs) wildly overused. Um, but nonetheless, I, I really like the idea of just being in charge of my own destiny and being able to take in the information as I hear from as many people as possible. And then ultimately making whatever decision I, I decide. And, uh, for me, you know, I'm both extremely logical, but I also feel as though that I have this somewhat creative or spiritual side to things. And so when um, when I was going through this process of coming up with a name, I didn't come up with one or I didn't decide on one until it felt right. And that's why, you know, things like Disconics and all that kind of stuff was, you know, going this way and that way. But when I thought of the idea of Destio, I was like, that's it. And that was it. And I didn't try to question it. That's the one that feels right. And as soon as your gut happens, that why, you know, Simon Sinek's, you know, uh, Simon Sinek's uh, TED talk. Yeah, start with why. And that was my why. If if you guys haven't seen the Simon Sinek, uh, any of Simon Sinek stuff to start with why, definitely check it out. It's so good. It's so good. By the way, if you hear the slight little, I don't think you'll hear it, but if you do hear the slight little like uh, drilling sounds or something, um, a lovely neighbor offered to fix my new We Are LA Tech front door and they're putting We Are LA Tech on the front door as we speak. And I'm extremely excited about it. So that's what that sounds about. And okay, so let's jump into what Deshio does. And yeah, yeah first of all, when did you create it? Uh, so I came up with the idea in December of 2016. And um, one of my best friends, her boyfriend is a serial CTO, technical co-founder. And he started me with this process of storyboarding. And so I created a PowerPoint, kind of a very basic, you know, what I now know is, you know, a UI through PowerPoint. Um, and then I started the development in around April of 2017. And I officially declare or I officially registered um, July of 2017. So nice. it's been about a year now. And um and where is it at? Where, where are you working? Like, all the things. It's a complicated question. Yeah. Uh, so I do have a, a relatively working prototype right now. Um, if you do, if you go to the website, you know, www.deshio.com, you can sign up for it. Um, but it's certainly not finished. And um, I'm looking for a technical co-founder right now because I don't have a technical background. Yeah. And I was looking for investors. And, you know, the consistent thing I heard were two things. Number one, you need a team. Number two, you need traction. And what I'm really big about or one of my attitudes about everything is I just really don't like gatekeepers. I think gatekeepers or the concept of gatekeepers being able to tell you that what you're doing is not correct. Right. Is just like not the way that I want to live. And so that's another reason why I went into entrepreneurship. And so, you know, investors are gatekeepers. And so instead of continually trying to impress them with what I have now, why not just focus on actually finishing it and proving that I have traction because one, then I don't need the gatekeepers and two, it only increases the valuation of my company and you know, it only betters me. And so that's what I'm really focused on right now is just finishing the development of the website. And how great is it when they come to you instead of you having to go to them? But before I start asking you a ton of other questions, 
what does it do? So it's a non-algorithm-based content aggregation platform. Um, it's all reverse chronological time publishing. Um, basically, Instagram before Instagram decided to introduce the algorithm. And so what uh, content creators will uh, be allowed to do is take their YouTube videos and their um, if they want their Instagram photos and their blog and their podcast, they can put it all one central location where then they can direct their audience. Um, and the beautiful thing is that they don't actually have to take their traffic away from any of those sites. Um, so I don't require, as opposed to Medium, which requires you to reformat and to upload your, uh, you know, rewrite your blog right. and they take your traffic. I just allow you to paste your URL link. And so then that way, when I get the traffic, you get the traffic as well. Um, same thing with podcasts or YouTube videos or anything. Uh, you get the traffic. And so it's a really awesome win-win situation. And so that way, instead of, Having an Instagram where you post a picture and say, you know, click the link in the in the bio for the new podcast or for the new vlog, it's all in one central location. And so that way you don't have to segregate your audience anymore. Has that been done? I don't know. Like the fact I in my belief, the fact that you have to ask that question means that it hasn't or it hasn't been done successfully. I think there was something that tried to do that. But yeah, obviously, I think the real key to the success that I believe that I will have, because obviously I don't have any success right now, but the success that I expect to have is that, and what I've been, the feedback that I've gotten from especially content creators is that if you can just all centralize your content in one place where you just tell all of your audience, you don't need to follow me on Instagram anymore, you or you do, or you can follow me on Twitter, but it's really about following me right here. And you can see everything because that's what yeah, we all I are. Yeah, I love it. Like when I want to find out more about a company, I look at the bottom icons of the website and it says Instagram, Twitter, blah, blah. And it would be really useful if I could go to one place and just click follow, 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 follow without having to go. So to see a visual of all their profiles, kind of like an embed like you'd have on a WordPress blog or something. Yeah. But it's strictly for that purpose. And so I don't have to click to multiple sites to get. That would be rad. Exactly. And the thing is, is that content creators now, they they have to do it all. They can't just have a blog. They yeah. have to have a blog. They have to have an Instagram. They have yeah. to have a YouTube. Yeah. You know, and then same thing with brands. Even yeah. brands are saying we can't just be a brand anymore. We have our brands have to have content. We have yeah. to have a podcast or we have to have, you know, a blog, even though they're a clothing brand. Yeah. And so what happens is that it's all over the place and you can't ever find anything. Yeah. And for the content creators, it's very easy right in one single location. Then also for the user, in my opinion, I under, in my belief, if you as a user decide to follow or like something, you're yeah. opting into seeing their content. Yeah. You say, I like what this person has to say. I like their voice. And so I'm going to opt in to see their content. And then the platform says no. Yeah. And I just don't really agree with that. It's a gatekeeper again, where if, why does Facebook or Instagram get to tell you the user you don't get to see this content that you have opted into. And that's right. why there's no algorithm. Right. And so you'll have the capability to create your own feeds according to yeah. whatever you want to create. So yeah. you have your tech feed and your sports feed, but then you can also have uh, just a baseball feed. Yeah. And it's just all one, whatever you want, you get to create yourself because no one, I don't care how amazing your artificial intelligence or your machine learning is, nobody will ever know you better than you know yeah. yourself. So I'm visualing Adesio, yeah. right, is the platform. Yeah. And now I'm visualing going to a web uh, a web page, and let's just take Nike. Sure. And I can see all Nike's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, all all of their things on yeah. one page, right? Am I getting it right so far? Sort of. In reality, I would actually look at you more so if you were so since you're a content creator, right, okay. and you have an Instagram and you have photos and you have you know you like 
you record videos yeah. of your podcast in yeah. order to put it onto Instagram yeah. or so on and so forth. Instead, imagine that you had the We Are LA Tech blog, the We Are LA Tech podcast, and a We Are LA Tech video okay. uh, on your particular feed. And then what happens is that if you opt in, because I'm not going to force anything on you, if you decide to opt into the internal native ad platform, then what will happen is that I will place ads on your personal feed for you that are relevant according to your audience mm. and according to yours. Now, if you don't oh, want to, yeah. it, then you don't have to. And I don't want to, because I, again, I don't want to force anything on you. But then if you do, then there, and an ad does show up on your feed, it'll show up on the general feed that'll go along with your audience. And then what'll happen is that based upon however much revenue I get, I will split it with you. I don't have that number right now because that's uh, a conversation yeah, for yeah, way yeah. down the line. But the idea behind it is that instead of requiring you to work directly with brands and to try to, you know, get, you know, a hundred bucks for a, for an ad post or $500 or a free swimsuit or, you know, free makeup or whatever it is that you get. Um, instead, you should be able to make real cash for the audience that you deliver an ad to. But then does that mean your audience needs to go to Deshio in order to see your stuff? Not necessarily. So uh, it's to me for the, the value. I mean, they could go to the social platforms, but, yeah, but they, is the point for an audience to go to Deshio? Yes. The yeah. idea is to take the audience from Instagram and YouTube and all those other places and be able to put it directly on Deshio where all of that content exists in one single location. So for, for me as a general user uh, or as a person, I have all sorts of different writers and I have different blogs and podcasts that I like to listen to or whatever. And so wouldn't it be cool if I could just look at all in one single location according to my sports feed or my politics feed or whatever it is. So cool. So cool. Thanks. Um, okay. And I love your background story, your why. <laughs> Again, Simon Sinek. Um, I, I love that. Now, we talked about that you moved here to Los Angeles from Austin and you're living in Los Feliz and you moved it because of relationship. But what are the differences between the Austin startup culture and the LA tech culture? I mean, for one, it's a lot smaller. Like in, in Austin. Austin. In Austin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I would say that the big deal, is, and this actually personally ap applies to me, is um, that the way that different startup hubs operate in terms of what is finance and what is not finance very much depends on the location. Um, valuations are, are much different. Um, when I went, I went to South by Southwest uh, this past year and one company that's in Cleveland could be worth a million dollars. And that same company at that same moment could be worth $5 million in Silicon Valley. And it just depends on your location. And so mm -hmm. for Austin, um, they're really focused on B2B sales and software as a services companies. Um, and they don't really get the content game. And so when I would go to just any, to people and I said, you know, this is a content aggregation platform, they were like, so what do you mean, like news? But I already have that with, you know, all these other people. And they don't really understand that people make literally millions of dollars being on YouTube. Mm -hmm. It's not really, it doesn't really compete with them. Uh, but here in LA, even though it's a lot bigger and I have to compete with a lot more people, everybody here understands what I'm trying to do. And so, uh, there's di there's less difficulty in getting people to understand why I'm doing what I'm doing or the value of the company. Right. But obviously it's a lot more difficult in order to differentiate myself from a different company. And that's why I'm, again, focused on the traction and finishing the product because everybody's everybody and their mother has an idea or a startup idea that they want to pitch to an investor. How did you immerse yourself into the community when you got here? Like, first of all, where did you discover We Are LA Tech? Um... Hi. So I was a part of a Facebook group called Austin Digital Jobs and that I got introduced to from a friend who was also in the startup community in Austin. And so it just made logical sense to just find 
Facebook groups out there that are in the same way. Um, so I joined We Are LA Tech. I went to a couple of, I just kind of Googled LA Tech and startup and looked for groups and, and asked to join and, you know, filled out the the, the various uh, questions that were asked of me and stuff. Um, and then I would go to We Are LA Tech, you know, for the events and whatnot. And so I figured out uh, different events that were happening. So I was going to a networking event Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday night uh, for the first three weeks or so. Um, and they were usually all on the west side of town in Santa Monica and, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, Culver City and yeah. whatnot. So I would usually leave my apartment around two o'clock, find yeah. a coffee shop and then be here until eight and then and then drive back. And then it just, you know, I started to understand that notion that, you know, I'm not going to be meeting investors here. It's just like everybody here is a founder yeah. because they all have the same idea as I do. And you can find one investor and that investor will have a stack of business cards and you just kind of have to be that person like you have to make a judgment call where it's like am i really going to make a difference in this person right. as they as they walk out the door yeah and so now i'm trying i'm still going to networking events um and and uh you know trying to engage myself in the community because networking and building relationships it has is a good in and of itself yeah um but it's just for a very different reason i'm now focused on finding a technical co-founder which is apparently just as if not more difficult than finding an investor <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's what we were talking about as well. And one thing, do you know about the We Are LA Tech mobile app? No, I don't. On the We Are LA Tech mobile, do you have an iPhone? Yeah. On the We Are LA Tech mobile app, it's every single LA Tech community organizers uh, events, like every wow. single one, not just We Are LA Tech. So that's definitely awesome. do that. If you guys want to check it out, com slash app, A-P-P. Um, but yeah, it's really helpful. I'm going to download that. We have a calendar in one swipe. You could add it to your personal calendar, anything going on. That's incredible. Um, thank you, Ira, for building it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I wanted to talk to you about technical co-founder. It sounds like you don't know where to find one and there are resources in LA. They're skimming me from the top of my head. So if you, you guys, if you know the resources in LA to find a technical co-founder, please let Zach know. Zach, where can people connect with you? Uh, the best place would be, uh, on email. So Z A C H dot S I L V E R M A N at D E S H Y O.com. Send anything my way. I'm also on Facebook. You know, maybe if we have some mutual friends, you'll be able to find me and, and whatnot. Um, I'd love to talk to you cause you know, the biggest issue is you have to somehow convince somebody who can pretty much get any job out there almost to give up that salary or to, you know, add that additional work with, either little to no pay for a website that doesn't necessarily show that it's going to succeed at this point and to buy in, you know, into the idea by into me and also for us to have a good relationship. It's such a process that it's not something like just hiring somebody, hiring a CTO or something. It's really about finding that partner that someone's going to go to those networking events with you. That's going to go to, uh, or be a part of uh, different incubators and accelerators and that kind of thing. And so, uh, it's very difficult just to find somebody who's, you know, both technically oriented, yeah. a little bit creative and also entrepreneurial oriented and, you know, risk oriented. Totally. So I've had two technical co-founders. The first one went on to co-found box.net, you know, box, the file sharing company. And the second one, so funny. The first time we met in person was when, um, I had met with Sequoia Capital, which is crazy. It's one of the largest venture capitals in the yeah. world. And the first time we met is when we both were went to San Francisco. He lived and still lives in Minnesota. Flew to, we both flew to San Francisco and we had to pitch 30 investors in a room um, wow. based on that meeting from Sequoia. And that's the first time we said, hello. hi, this is what I look wow. like. This is what you look like. It was so wild. Yeah. That's crazy. I met him through a college friend. Okay. That's how I met him. And then my first one I met, it's my best friend growing up, her cousin. 
Right. Yeah. So that's the thing is, you know, I don't know what to do. All these people have technical co-founders. They met them at, you know, in their college dorm room where they grew up with them or yeah. they have this. And so it's it's that's where it has to be. It has to be serendipitous, it has to be, you know, this natural it's kind tough. of relationship. And so trying to manufacture that relationship that you need between you and another co-founder is not easily done. Yeah. All the while I'm trying to, you know, get it launched and out there. Have you ever thought about um working with a junior developer where they could enhance their skills being a developer and they could build up their portfolio and then you both can grow together? No, but that's a really great idea. Because General <laughs> Assembly has a General Assembly and I believe it's called Sabio. Okay. I think it's Sabio. Um and Hack Reactor too. They all have like tons of graduates that learn from their programming oh. schools and they want, if there's one thing, and I mentioned this earlier that I know about engineers is they want to see that their code is being used. They want to see yeah. that it works. They don't just want to build code for nothing at all and then it doesn't get, you know, distributed into the world. So I know that the reason why the like, um, Iro is attracted to working with the We Are LaTeX mobile app. Oh, and I can't remember what it's called right now, but there was a programming language. I just haven't thought about it in so long. There was a programming language and it was new at the time and Ira wanted to try it out. And I was like, yeah, amazing. Please do, you know? And it's it's really cool. I wish I could think of what it's called right now. Um, but it can display on like really easily on Google Play, on, yeah. um, on, I, I, on Apple, on everything. And so... And then he went on to like teach how to program in that. But that's, that, cool. that's the thing. You want to find someone because you're building something real and they just and they want to develop their skills and they want to see it being used and how it's working. So just find the most um, like uh, uh, this is in a really light way, the most seasoned person, but not seasoned. Right. No, it's but, true. Like of a class, like I should say the most dedicated to being a, an engineer. Right. They graduated from yeah. programming school. I've yeah. also thought about like going to USC or UCLA and, and trying my hand on, on that side of things, you know, cause sometimes, you know, you have college kids that yeah. are just like ready to, to jump in or yeah. whatnot. But yeah, no, it's true. There's, there's a very specific person that you have to find that yeah. is that, you have to find and that you have to mesh with that also. And so to find that person is out there because plenty of people are out there who are looking to develop their skills. Yeah. And then it's about, do they buy in? Yeah. And then it's about, do you mesh well? And yeah. then it's about their, and then it's about their financial situation. And so yeah. all of those pieces have to come to play, but when they do and you actually have a partner there, I mean, you can create anything. Yeah. And I think that's, what's beautiful. And that's why I'm really interested in finding somebody that because when you have somebody to go at it with you, the sky's the limit. Yeah. You mentioned you went to a lot of events in LA. What uh, events have you gone to? Like what I, I should say, what's the one that really like struck your chord that you're like, Oh, that one was dope. Uh, to be honest with you, I wasn't really all that impressed with, with any of them. Okay. There's, there's essentially like three kinds of models that I've seen that I saw yeah. though. One was a straight happy hour. You just yeah. show up and you just grab a drink and you start talking with people. Yeah. And then actually I did, uh, meet a lot of people because that's what they're there for yeah. and, and so on and so forth. Then you have these uh, uh, pitch events where you network first, then you pitch and then you like network afterwards. Yeah. And then there's one that are just straight pitch events. You show up and like people are kind of mingling, but there's no, you know, there's no food, there's no liquor, like there's nothing. And yeah. you're just, everybody's just kind of waiting for the time to pitches yeah. and then people pitch. Um, and frankly, none of them are relatively all that set up for you to find someone deliberately. Now I am actually planning on going to uh, a networking event next week. That's uh, like a speed networking event. Yeah. You sit down and you get 
you know, crossed in. Yeah. And then, um, there was also an event that I got invited to by somebody that I made a connection with, um, that's specifically for allowing investors and founders to meet and nice. you have to, and you have to pay to be there and yeah. stuff. And so I thought that it was, and you know, how much did that free, cost? it was like 25, 30 yeah. bucks. So it was, it was worth it. Yeah. Um, so those kinds of things that are very deliberate, that's what I'm really trying to focus my attention on because going to these happy hours, going to these pitch events, it's everybody's just about themselves and they're not really interested in knowing. Right. And what's so funny is that you go to these pitch events and the, the, the winners, they don't really get anything. They just get winning the pitch event. Yeah. It's not like the investors are there and they say, oh, you've won. We're going to give you 10 grand now. Yeah. So it's super odd why so many people spend so much time on this, you know, maybe just to get their word out. Maybe somebody is there, who knows? But for the time being, you know, I really want to be more deliberate about the things that I go to. 100%. Has there been an LA tech company or startup you've come across lately who've, who's really impressed you? I really like the idea of uh, my... Um, this friend that I did meet at a, at a pitch event, um, his name is Conrad and he, uh, has this startup called creative minds. Um, and it's, uh, it's a marketplace for outdoor oriented content creators. Um, mostly because I feel like we were very much in the sink where we understand that there are so many people out there who are literally creating art. Mm-hmm. They are artists and it just so happens that they're not, it's not with paint, but it's with their photography and their, the way that they work on it on Photoshop and all that kind of stuff. That is art. And what an amazing opportunity to partner them with brands who really need it. So it, again, win-win. Yeah. These people who are in these random locations in Yellowstone or in Iceland or in Bali and a play and a brand like REI or yeah. Patagonia or yeah. the North Face. And instead of having the North Face hire all these people and send them over to Bali for thousands of dollars, they can literally find somebody who's already there. And then this person gets to make money. These people cut down costs. Yeah. Everybody wins. I don't understand like, why you can't have a business like that or why you can't model business like that in general. Thank you for that, for hanging out with the We Are LA Tech podcast. Thank you for having me on. Is there anything else you wanted to share before we wrap it up? Nothing. I just, I, again, I want to say thank you for having me on. I'm, I'm not sure the, what the kind of companies you have on here, so I appreciate you inviting me even at the early stage that I am. I'm really excited to be here in LA, and uh, you know, I just want to meet as many people as possible. And again, I'm going to do a self-plug. If you know of anybody who is looking to join a company and create something, I'd love to talk with them. I'd love to meet with them because I'm looking for a partner. That, it's, it, that's what I want on this show. I usually ask the question, if there's one thing you can ask, uh, that, you know, for the thousands of people listening is something they could help to accelerate you and your success. But I felt we asked that. So I'm happy that you brought it up again. And let's just give them one more time. How can they contact you and the URL of your company? Sure. So the URL is www.deshyo.com. And you can contact me uh, via email. That's Z-A-C-H dot Silverman, S-I-L-V-E-R-M-A-N at Deshio, D-E-S-H-Y-O.com. Amazing. Thank you, Zach. If you want to connect with more extraordinary people here in the LA Tech community, remember you can go to the We Are LA Tech VIP private chat at wearelatech.com slash VIP. That's wearelatech.com slash VIP. And say hello on social at wearelatech on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you guys, talk to you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye, everybody. Thanks for having me. Magic Links empowers influencers on YouTube and Instagram with authentic social commerce tools, making it really easy to share products they love and earn as their fans shop. We use Intercom to provide in-app messaging and support, communicating in real time where and how our customers want to engage with us. From our office in Santa Monica, we're able to provide excellent customer service globally using Intercom's innovative tools. Hey, this is Zach Silverman, the founder of Deshio, a non-algorithm content aggregation platform designed to help 
cultivate a meaningful relationship between content creators and their audience. We're based out of Los Feliz, and you are listening to We Are LA Tech.